From the city of Beaky Blinders, Birmingham, England, I would like to introduce you to Paddy Dandar. As the world becomes more automated and the robots take over, it's imperative that we build the right human skills for the future. So pull up a chair, grab a smoser or two, and make yourself very uncomfortable. Hey folks, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Superpower School podcast. I'm your host, Paddy Danda, and today I have my awesome co-host, Vera Mehet. Hey Vera, how are you doing? Hello again, Paddy. I am, as you know, just about doing all right, just about. Just about. Uh, I hope you've been doing better. This week's been pretty good, I think. I've had time at home, which unlike last week, I was sort of traveling around. We were preparing for a conference. And so it's been much better. But I hear you've had a bit of a nightmare this week, Vera, what's been happening. Literally one thing after the other. I didn't think I'd be able to make it here to talk with you. There was a power cut in my house, so I had to run to another house. I haven't had water the last few days in my house. I didn't sleep last night. It's been just one challenge after the other. But you know what? When I woke up this morning, I try not to keep my phone near me, but I grabbed my phone and just started looking at videos. And I came across a video of some kids having tantrums. And I just thought, you know what? I could have a tantrum about this, but I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm going to try up to grow up, be a bit more resilient. And that kind of leads me on to being really excited to talk about the guest with us, I think they'll be able to help me, give me some tips on resilience. So Paddy, over to you to introduce our guest. Oh, thank you, Vera. I love it that every episode we do together, Vera, you, you, always, you always have these needs from our guests because they always have the perfect topic that's going to help you with your current dilemma. So It's literally perfect timing. <laughs> Because I remember a few weeks ago, there was a guest who was talking about, I, I can't remember helping you be more confident and you were about to do a talk. And so that was a nice time to have that particular episode. But without further ado, I'd like to welcome our awesome guest. He is a thought leader in mental toughness. He's also written a book about the topic and he's an all round really nice guy, smart as anything. And I can't say his surname, so I'm going to try and get this with one take. It is Doug. Strahachik from AQR International. Well done, Paddy. That's terrific. That's, you have a gift for languages, I can tell. <laughs> You're probably the one and only person on the planet that's ever said that to me. Like, I'm the worst at languages. But no, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you. And yeah, I'm really excited for this episode. So what is the superpower you're going to bring to this particular episode for us, Doug? Okay. Well, thank you, Paddy. And... Hopefully this works for Vera. Well, I think Vera's got plenty of this already. I'm going to be talking about mental toughness. Although people who immediately shrink back and think toughness or oh, don't like the sound of that. And that is one of the issues that we have to contend with, but it is the proper name for it. So we don't like to tamper with it. And if we use any other language, it gets mixed up with other ideas. So it's mental toughness. That's what we're going to be talking about. Perfect. And I know we were just talking before we kicked off and you said you're one of three thought leaders on this topic in the world. And so, like, I'm really privileged to be speaking to one of the three. And for those of 
our listeners who don't know your background, could you just tell us your, a little bit about your history and how you got into this topic? Right. Well, I mean, better just say who the other two are. The other two are colleagues. One is Professor Peter Clough, and he's the key to it. And the other one is Dr. John Perry, who's at the University of Limerick in Ireland. And the three of us have taken the concept and taken it further than anyone else. There are other experts around, other academics who would probably scream at you for not mentioning their names, but we would say we're well ahead of everybody else at the moment. So my background is, I suppose for about the first 20 years of my career, I was what you call an HR manager or HR director. I was head of HR for a, a really big oil company at one stage. And that was a fantastic opportunity. I learned a lot. They sent me lots of courses and bit by bit, I wasn't a psychologist. I learned about psychometrics and the ability to assess personality in people. But my background is I, I, I'm an economist. I was trained to be an economist and that's what I'm really interested in. And my sort of, my passion really is about creating wealth because economics should be about how do you create wealth and how do you distribute it? So it's, and we mean wealth, not in terms of money, in terms of everything, you know, nowadays we include things like having a, a good environment and not, not polluting things. That's all part of our, our wealth. And we kind of get into understand it a bit better. But what I thought when I was learning all of this was if some of it makes sense, people you'll know on television, people talk about economic models, but models only work if people make them work. And so the missing factor was always people. I can remember way back, I'm going to give my age away again in 1974, when there was an oil crisis. And everybody panicked and thought it was the end of the world. And then suddenly everybody said, well, actually, couldn't we do in four days what we used to do in five? Okay, let's have to give that a go. And they did, you know. And can we do without electricity for a few hours a day? And we did. And so people adjusted and the catastrophe that was predicted never happened. And so people kind of make the difference. So I think nowadays you'd, you'd call it behavioral economics, but that's what I'm, re I'm really interested in. So I met Peter Clough. I, I recruited Peter Clough when he was a young psychologist. He worked for me for a while and then he went off to university to pursue an academic career. And his big interest was something called mental toughness. Now in those days, it only figured in the world of sports. In fact, yeah. In modern times, sports coaches are the pioneers. Uh, there's a very famous one in North America called Jim Lower, who understood something that most other sports coaches had missed. Now, most of them would look at diet and, you know, fitness and technique, but he looked at the mindset and he realized by working on the mindset of an athlete, he could get that athlete to perform even better. And in fact, he realized that he could take a good athlete, not the world's best, and turn them into world champions simply by working on the mindset. And he has some spectacular successes. Probably the best known one is Andre Agassi, who was world number one for nearly four years, but never was thought to be the best tennis player of his generation. And so he demonstrated that if, if we work on something that we tend not to notice most of the time, we can be the best version of ourselves that we can be. And he actually coined that phrase, 
And for me, that's a very motivational phrase. I know Vera's itching to jump in with some questions. She's been pinging me all day through WhatsApp saying, Paddy, I've got so many questions I want to ask Doug. So I'm going to hand <laughs> over to Vera for a while. Sorry for all the messages, Paddy. Okay. Yeah, no, that was, that was interesting, Doug, but it actually reminded me of one of Paddy's favorite books, Atomic Habits. And it speaks about the most powerful layer for building habits is actually the mindset and beliefs so target that first so this is powerful stuff and it's recognized i would just i would love to hear more about what is mental toughness because when i spoke to you before you explained it so well and you also hinted that it's not a new thing either no that's absolutely right when i was invited you were talking about you know the trying to help people in, into the future, looking at new ideas. In fact, this is one of the oldest ideas that's been on the planet. We know that the first recorded mention was two and a half thousand years ago by Plato. And Plato called it fortitude, and he said it was one of the four virtues, one of the four virtues that could lead you to lead a contented life. And then about 500 years later, the Romans picked it up in the what was called the Stoic movement. I mean, people now rave about the Stoics, about their attitude. You know, they took the attitude that life had its ups and downs. But if you sort of gritted your teeth and you carried on smiling, somehow you could emerge from the other end and, and carry on going. And what we're really talking about is the same thing. The only thing is that nobody knew what it was. They just knew it was important. And if you didn't know what it was, you couldn't do much about it. You couldn't sort of bottle it and drink it or eat it or develop it. Now we do. And that's kind of been the thing that's personally may been the most exciting thing of the journey about me. I never believed, say 20 or 30 years ago, that I'd be sitting talking about this subject and that I would have been involved in its development. And the key to it was that American that I described earlier, he, he started being effective. He, he didn't really explain to people what he was doing, but people could see that he was effective. And that spawned a whole pile of people, especially academics, trying to work out what was going on. And Peter Clough was perfectly placed to be the first person to get under the skin of the concept. So he was able to work out what mental toughness was. So. We have a definition. I'll explain the definition in sort of clearer language. It's a personality trait. That's, that's an important idea because that means it sits in every single one of us. All of us have personality, right? So it's, a, it's one of the, our personality traits, which explains in some parts. So it's not the whole explanation. You can't just rely on this and think, right, if I do this, I will now be a better person. It's a big part of the explanation. But it explains how we respond mentally to stress, pressure, opportunity, challenge. In other words, everything that we go through life, irrespective of circumstances. Now, to turn that into maybe more accessible language, what we're talking about is it describes how we think when something happens to us or around us. Now, that's coming back to your the book that you've just mentioned. And we're talking here about our mental responses. So something happened to us, or we want to do something, our first reaction is to have a mental reaction. Problem is, we can't see it. It's in our heads. I've no, no, so I'm talking to you, I could see you, but I've no idea what's happening inside your head. And you have no idea what's happening inside mine. Now, 
in recent times, when people have talked about developing people and developing personality, in fact, they've only been talking about one aspect of personality, and that's behavioral aspects of personality. In other words, how we act when things happen. But how we act has to come from somewhere. We don't just act because something's happened. We act because our, our first response was a mental response. And that mental response combines with other responses to give our behavior. So it's fundamentally important. It actually influences every aspect of our life. You know, it influences our well-being, our agility, our, our performance, our aspirations. It influences everything. So if we can understand what mental toughness is, then people can become self-aware. I can be aware about your mental toughness and I can help you and I, or you can help yourself. And that's been kind of the, the holy grail of the whole, the whole subject. The challenge is there are so many people still steeped in how things are done, you know, like people focus on behaviors, you go to organizations, they have competencies, frameworks, which are clusters of behaviors they like to see in an organization, but it's, we're still getting, having to work with people or getting people to think about this as actually the new frontier. This is where you should be working. And um, mental toughness, we're also talking about this before, is something that's needed in the VUCA world more than ever as well. You're probably aware that the World Economic Forum in 2017 and 2018 published a list of the 20 most important characteristics for success in the 21st century. And in the past, those kind of lists have always said numeracy, you know, literacy, all of those kind of skills, you know, math, maths and, and so on. This time, the list contains about a dozen what we would call psychological skills, basically they're now including mental toughness. And the reason for that is we're living in a slightly different world. When I first started work, in fact, when I first started my business, I started work with a big client and we, they, the, the change program we agreed would take five years. Right? Nobody now would give you a change program that takes you five years. If you've got five months, you'd be doing well. The, it's not that things have changed. It's not that there's change. There's always been change. Yeah, you, know, you just have to talk to people, you know, around the Second World War. The, that was dramatic change. People know how to deal with change. People don't really thrive when there is very fast change. There's so much change. You know, I think about the last, since 2008, we've had a financial crisis. We've had COVID. We've had the current financial crisis. We had so many crises. And yet you go back 50 or a hundred years. Those would have come along once every 10 years or 15 years. In fact, there was an economic model that said the, these crises happen in cycles. Well, those cycles are gone twice a year now. It's, it's the pace of change that throws a lot of people. And so just as you're getting used to one way of living your life, you have to change it again. And that is what is throwing people. And technology is part of that, but it's not the only part of that. I mean, the war in Ukraine isn't about technology. Well, it isn't in terms of the way that they're dealing with the war, but its impact on us is it suddenly 
brought our life to a shuddering halt. We were suddenly preoccupied with gas and electricity prices. That's only because it's a consequence of what's happening in Ukraine. Now, those changes happen really fast these days, and the impact on us so quickly. And that's part because we've in a global economy. You know, suddenly, one minute we can have any car we want, next minute we can get a car, but only if we can, they can find the components for it. I've got a friend who ordered and bought a car last December. He's still waiting because he's still waiting for the components. And, you know, to be able to deal with all of that and take it in your stride, and that's going to happen more and more into the future, you've got to have the capacity to deal with everything that life throws at you because it's going to throw a lot of things at you. But in a way, that's like a, my mother, as a person who always encouraged me to save, because she used to have this phrase, because you need to do it for a rainy day and there will always be a rainy day. Well, you have downpours more regularly now than you ever did before. So you know, a bit, we need to have that ability to deal with things. So when you talk about the week you've had, that's a whole succession of crises. Some people would crumble, crumple. Some people would burst into tears. Yeah, you know, when all of that happens, some would throw their arms up and, you know, despair. Other people would just say, well, it happens. It's going to happen at some time. It happened to me today. I just need to get sorted out. The quicker I sort it out, the quicker I'm through with it. And it's, it's a memory. It's a piece of history. And that's really what we're talking about. When you're talking about mental toughness, we're talking about the ability to take stuff in our stride. Life is going to be, like the Stoic said, it's going to be full of good bits and bad bits. And we know that, so we may as well accept that it's going to happen. Let's get on with it. And you know, just being aware of mental toughness, being self-aware and that it is such a thing, that that in itself is powerful, right? Because when I woke up this morning, I was like, ah, oh, I can make a conscious decision not to react a certain way. So I know we have some listeners, and I'm going to name the name because I know a good friend of mine and colleague, Luke Radford. He listens to this podcast religiously when he's jogging. So I'm going to give him a shout out. Luke loves research. And I know if he's listening to this, he'll be asking, where's the research? Or can you share some research with us, Doug, around why is mental toughness so important? Now, we mentioned some of the environmental sort of times that we live in and, and some of the conditions that we have to put up with. But are there any particular studies that you could share with us or even your own research just to put it into context for us? But, uh, Paddy, I'm, I love that you've asked that question. That's an inspired question because one of the things, one of the reasons why I'm connected with Peter Clough and Dr. John Perry is unlike, and I'll, I'll, I'll I'm being deliberate about this. Unlike so many of our competitors, and there are some big names out there, we are very evidence-based. We are very focused on, on research. I don't know whether would, your, your colleague will appreciate this. There are now over 200 independent, peer-reviewed academic papers which support the concept, its application, and the psychometric measure that goes with it. I doubt if there's another concept like this on the planet that has got as much evidence behind it. And so I can talk about, is there evidence to support it? And there's a brilliant piece of work from the University of Western Ontario, where they showed 
that part of our mental toughness is genetic, roughly 50%. 50% of our mental toughness is the result of our environmental experiences. So we le- we've learned a big chunk of our mental toughness. Well, that's really important to understand because you might think, well, I can't do much about the genetic bit, but you, c- you can actually. It's just a bit harder to work on. But if I've learned to be who I am, I can all learn that and relearn that. The trouble is, by the time we get to adulthood, and I'm not sure what that age is, it seems to vary between 20 and 25, we, kind of, we, can, we can be set in our ways and we don't think about it. We're not self-aware about <clears throat> why it is we're responding the way we do. We just respond and we just accept that that's our normal response, but it doesn't have to be. So that piece of research is fundamentally important because it t- tells us we can develop mental toughness. That piece of research also told us it was a fundamental aspect of our personality. There's lots of research on the link with performance. And that's a, normally that's quite a hard piece of research to, or sort of hard piece of evidence to pull together. But because a lot of the early research was done on the world of sport, and there are lots of things you can measure in sport. If you, if you did a study on, you know, 500 sprinters, you could measure their times and you could see as there a correlation between the mental toughness and, and times in general. And you'd find that, that you, they find that sort of correlation. They do it on footballers. Does a more mentally tough footballer run more than a mental, more mentally sensitive footballer? Yes, they do. So the evidence is out there in the world of education. Of course, we've also got those opportunities because young people drop out. So you can measure all of those things and then you can assess people for their mental toughness or mental sensitivity, and you can do the studies. And that's why that psychometric measure, the ability to assess mental toughness, is also fundamentally important. And it's a big breakthrough because what that's attending to is the fact that we couldn't see, can't see mental toughness. Well, it gives us the ability to see mental toughness, to measure it. So we, we can measure something that's happening inside the head. So. There's tons of evidence. If you want to get in touch, we've actually created a library of that evidence. And, but I would warn him that there's probably, I don't know, something like 400,000 pages. So if he's having trouble sleeping after he's done his running, and we can send him that research. Curiously, the very first piece of research was on marathon runners, right? So if he's, if he's enjoying running, he might appreciate this because I, I think it's, it kind of captures the essence. Peter Clough was researching marathon runners because most of us would think marathon running was a tough thing to do, right? And what he found was that marathon runners, not necessarily elite marathon runners, but most marathon runners, people who did it regularly and wanted to do it, were like the rest of us. They were just normal. There were some mentally sensitive ones, some mentally tough ones, but most were in the middle. So there wasn't particularly a correlation. It was just, they liked running marathons. So if you like running, if you like doing something, if it's tough, you don't see it as tough. So you can do it. You could have something like doing a three mile park run or a three kilometer park run and think, oh God, I'll never do that. And it, you can be the sort of person who will see that as onerous and you'll go and do it. And when you get to the end of a three-kilometre park run, never mind a 26-mile run, you're exhausted. 
because for you, you've had to make a real effort to do it. So again, it's illustrating the importance of that mental response. So I hope while he's listening to this, he's thinking about the amount of energy he's using up whilst he's doing his, his run. 